Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sportsnet. I'm Manny the Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Luz, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose a frustrating game by a score of 124 to 113 against the LA Clippers. Um, I say frustrating not because the Clippers are not a very formidable opponent, not because that, um, you know, they're not a team who um, can come into Toronto and win. In fact, the Raptors have not beaten Kawhi Leonard since he has left the team. Um, so this is not the first time the Raptors have lost to the Clippers, but frustrating in the sense that you never really even felt like the Clippers were playing at full tilt. It wasn't like they were going all out. Defensively, I thought the Clippers were just okay. And, you know, in the first half, I thought the Raptors probably missed a few too many open threes. Um, but in the second half, it just felt like the Clippers can get any shot that they wanted. You know, the Raptors spent a lot of time and effort, as they usually do, trapping and sending two guys. Sometimes even, I saw a play where the Raptors sent four guys at Kawhi Leonard. Um, but sending multiple bodies at the opposing star player, and it just didn't work out. Um, you know, you, you might say credit to the Clippers for executing well on that front, um, but Clippers just got whatever they wanted all night. I, and, you know, well, the fact that they finished with 124 points, the Raptors trapped them all game. They even went to a full-court press. Guess what? The Clippers only had nine turnovers the whole night. They had multiple ball handlers on the floor. You know, credit to guys like Kawhi and Paul George who were really willing to get off the ball. You know, they were able to find, you know, the weak point in the Raptors defensively, which was obviously in the middle. Zubac is the biggest man in the building, had 10 offensive rebounds. You know, okay, so he's dominating, and their stars are passing, and the Raptors aren't generating turnovers. And, look, it didn't even matter that the Raptors shot 51% from the field. It didn't matter that Pascal won on a tear in the fourth quarter and finished with 36 points, nine rebounds, five assists. didn't matter that... You know, the Raptors' starting five was actually decent in terms of guys, you know, getting to their, their averages. Scotty had an above-average game. Nearly had two, uh, two assists shy of a triple-double. Again, it didn't matter because the Raptors just couldn't affect the Clippers defensively. And that's where it's disappointing because, to me, I'm thinking about this game and I'm thinking about the fact that, okay, the Raptors have just come off of two straight wins. You know, um, not only was Pascal playing great, but I thought the Raptors defensively were really strong where they needed to be. They found something there with Scotty at center. How can they really continue to go to it? And in this game, it just felt like all that progress was sort of interrupted. Like, yes, Pascal played great, but it, it's it's kind of unbelievable that he had 36-9-5 and, and it didn't even matter. Like, it didn't affect the outcome of the game whatsoever because of the fact that the Raptors couldn't get their stuff together defensively. And, again, and the, that's the one point that I keep thinking about with this season is just why are the Raptors this bad defensively? This is a team that's built on defense. This is a team that when you think about, um, you know, the philosophy of how they built players here, they, they acquire players who are, you know, defensively talented, and then they try to teach them skills offensively, and that's sort of the way they try to go with this thing. So why is it so bad? And specifically against a team like the Clippers, you know, it just seemed like the Clippers knew exactly what was coming to them. I mean, if, to be honest, a lot of teams, it feels like they know exactly what the Raptors are going to do. Star players talk about this all the time, where they know if you come to Toronto or you're playing against the Raptors in any context, you're going to get double teamed. You're not going to be able to operate. You're not going to be allowed to attack. You're not going to be allowed to get your favorable matchups. And these are, look, these are generally good things. I'm not saying that, you know, obviously you want to give Kawhi like a mismatch. You don't want to give Malachi on a switch to Kawhi. But there's things where you look at it, and it's like the other team knows exactly what is coming to you, right? In fact, I thought it was a really good job by Ty Lu, uh, coach of the Clippers, where two minutes into the game, he called timeout. Just two minutes in. And it was because the Raptors had forced um, 
Paul George into a turnover. Fred poked the ball free from behind against PG. The Raptors got out on the break, and I think Fred scored. Okay, so the, the Clippers immediately called timeout two minutes into the game. Why is that? Well, if you want to... Um, the pregame press conference, Ty Lue talked about how it's very, very important in this game to take care of the ball. And as soon as you saw the first couple of turnovers there in the opening minutes, he calls timeout and says, let's focus here. This is the one thing we got to do, right? If we just don't turn the ball over, the Raptors aren't going to beat us. And what do the Clippers have at the end of the night? Only nine turnovers against all that defensive pressure. The Raptors really hustling all the way to force their, their star players to pass it. Well, the star players passed it. And guess what? The Clippers are a really good three-point shooting team, right? 15 of 38 for them for 39% from three. That's a very normal game for them. They have a lot of really strong jump shooters, especially if you leave these jump shooters open. And, of course, if they find the ball towards the middle in Zubac, the Raptors have no size to sort of bang with them. I thought at the start, Scotty did a really good job of showing effort against Zubac. And, and, and Zubac was still scoring at the start, don't get me wrong, but I thought Scotty was giving a lot of effort on that front. But once Scotty came back into the out of the game and some of the reserves started checking in, that intensity dropped off. And in the second half, there was no intensity against Zubac whatsoever. But to my, the thing is, though, the key point is the trapping of the stars. It just didn't really work out in this game. I mean, it worked out in the sense that, okay, Paul George had 23 points. You know, that's, uh, I, I mean, that's honestly a very average game for Paul. I mean, that's, you know... Kawhi obviously only had 15 points, only took 12 shots, wasn't very engaged. In fact, I'd never really seen a game where Kawhi was so willing to pass the ball. In fact, he wasn't even really, you know, looking to score. He was in a decoy out there. The Raptors kept sending two, three, four defenders at him, and Kawhi just kept making the extra pass. It wasn't even like he was trying to score tonight. Of course, occasionally he took his spots, and, of, and as always, Kawhi is very efficient. 5 of 12 from the field for 15 points. Got to the free throw line, shot efficiently from three, all that kind of stuff. Got some you know, tip-ins here or there. You know, board man gets paid and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it was like Kawhi was just, he wasn't a board man tonight. He was like the decoy. He was just a decoy. And, and he knew exactly what it took to beat the Raptors defensively. And, and that's where, to me, it's like, was this too predictable of the game plan, right? If you had come out and, you know what, obviously you, you, you played these guys tight, but you're not surrendering the double team. You're not having to rotate and scramble in rotation so that against a seven-footer, you're allowing him to sort of get deep post position before anyone bumps him. You know, that's probably the ideal thing defensively, but you just didn't see any of that tonight. And, you know, I thought maybe at halftime, after the Raptors have already given up 60 points heading into half, Okay, they were only down four, but they had given up 60 points. I thought, okay, maybe the Raptors can adjust defensively, and it just got even worse. The Raptors gave up 37 points in the third quarter. That third quarter has been an issue for the Raptors. The Clippers turned it on. And I wouldn't even say, like, the Clippers turned it on in the sense that, like, defensively they were super engaged and they're flying up and down the team, up the, up the floor, because that's not what the Clippers are. They're not really that much of a transition team, but it just felt like they were able to pound um, the Raptors' weaknesses at an even higher level, and that, and that's you know after the break, and you know, of course you throw in the fact that Norm, in his homecoming first game back in Toronto since uh, March of 2020, so literally right before the pandemic, you know that that's the last time Norm played in this building. He comes back, he comes in 22 points in 22 minutes, had a stretch there at the end of the third quarter, at the start of the fourth quarter, where he was just going and, and getting baskets in quick succession, and it was just like, okay what can the Raptors do defensively to stop this? And it was just, the answer was just kind of nothing. You know, I, I, the, the big adjustment, I would say, is the fourth quarter, the Raptors started full-court pressing, which, to be honest, if you've watched a decent amount of Raptors basketball, you do know that Nick Nurse loves to go to that full-court press, especially at the start of the fourth quarter. 
And it's, it's something that used to work a lot in the past and it's something that he, he, he's probably gotten a lot of credit for, especially on this program. But when you see it now in the fourth quarter, like literally the first possession, the Raptors go into a full court press. Norm gets the ball. Norm's like, yeah, I played on the Raptors. I know what this is about. Okay, so he breaks that press. He breaks two defenders in the backcourt, pushes it ahead um, to, I think, Reggie Jackson, who immediately finds Zubac down low, who's wide open, and the Raptors have to take the foul. And it's like, so you did all that full court pressing to not force a turnover, and then you have to foul Zubac at the rim again. You, you basically just fast-forwarded a defensive possession for yourself. So, again, where is the defensive intensity on this team? This is supposed to be a defensive team, and yet the opposing teams just come in here and score 120 like it's nothing. Last time I saw the Raptors give up 124 when, when, they, when they lost to the Kings, and then they, they, they gave up 126 to, 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 the, to the Warriors. And, you know, before that, it's just... It just happens too often for a team that's supposed to be great defensively, right? And, and you might say, well, you, you are missing a couple of guys. You know, what, Precious could have been big in this matchup. I mean, yeah, sure, but I think that's where the roster construction probably needs to be improved on this front. How do you not have a center for, the, for like, literally for three seasons straight, right? Zubac is good. Don't get me wrong. I've seen Zubac have plenty of great games, right? But you know, the way he dominated tonight, it, it looked like, he was playing against kids, 10 offensive rebounds, right? And the amount of times he was just rolling free to the rim. Even, even when the start of the game, when Scotty was sort of bumping him and using his physicality and all that kind of stuff, okay, that, that's, that's good. But even that is a mismatch onto itself, you know? So it, it, it's, it's tough. And it, to be honest, I'm not even really that interested in what the Raptors did offensively tonight. Some of it really worked. I mean, some of it was just I thought the Clippers were, were so comfortable offensively. They didn't need to play with that much intensity defensively, knowing that they can get it back anytime they wanted. But, you know, it, it, again, it just didn't matter. Like, the fact that Pascal just completely went off in the fourth quarter and was doing, you know, Giannis-esque things. And I'm not saying that in terms of exaggeration. I'm talking about him pushing the length of the floor, picking the ball up above the three-point line, two long strides, and then scooping for a layup. That's Giannis-esque. That's actually something that Ty Lue actually talked about pregame, too, about how Pascal is, is making that jump and his, his endurance is, you know, is tremendous. And, and, you know, he, Ty Lue even said he's giving you, like, these Giannis-type of um, flashbacks. And today, what Pascal, his, his mid-range game wasn't really there for him. Obviously, he's been really sharp on that front. Wasn't able to get the touch to, to, from there. Even missed a couple of free throws as well. I mean, 10 of 15 from the free throw line is not good. But the fact that he was able to get downhill time and time and time and time again was just a sign of how much of um, how much he's just taking that next step. Like, offensively, he's, he's really hard to stop. And, yes, he wasn't good in the first half offensively. I think he was shooting the ball like 2 of 12 or something. It was, it was genuinely, con- you know, not concerning because he was getting to his spots, but it just wasn't really converting for him. But he completely turned that around. And, again, it doesn't matter when you don't play defense. And that's the thing for me with the Raptors this season. Where is that defensive, you know, identity? You know, you have OG Anobi out there defensively, and he is a natural defender. I would love to see what OG could do in a one-on-one matchup against Kawhi, in a one-on-one matchup against Paul George. And, you know, you just never really got to see that, right? Like, how many possessions did you get to see OG guard these guys straight up and, and see guys like Kawhi and Paul George who love playing ISO, like, can you get a bucket on OG? I would love to see it, right? It would be great to see sort of the progress, you know, for a guy who is, you know, trying to make that push for defensive player of the year. I'm sorry, there's, no, there's going to be no push for OG for defensive player of the year when the Raptors are 20th in defense. 
No one's going to be taking that that seriously. But then again, when you think about it, if OG wasn't around, this defense might be in the 25th, 26th kind of range because, you know, you, you don't even see the effects of that. But to me, it's like, let OG guard and ISO. Let, for, for you know, okay, so... Yes, you can't always guard an ISO because, you know, Kawhi or Paul will just bring up a screen and force someone else into it. In fact, a lot of the fourth quarter offense was let's bring up uh, Malachi's man into a screen or in the first half, let's bring up Fred's man into a screen and try to attack that. Right. And but to me, it's like there are other ways to not concede a switch. You could fight over a screen. You can go under a screen. I mean, it's not advisable against these kind of guys, but you can kind of switch up the look. Whereas to me, it's like. That didn't really happen. All game, it was just trap Kawhi, trap, you know, Paul George. Those guys were like, okay, I know we both played 10-plus years in the league. We're multiple-time All-Stars, All-NBA guys. We know how to handle this. Pass out the, you know, the trap. You know, find the, the guy rolling, um, you know, slipping to the basket, uh, the guy who's being helped off of, basically. So he's completely free. Find the pass. Find the next pass into the corners for three, where the Clippers are a really good shooting team. And that's the part where it's like it, it just gets stale to watch this. Like, can you? We gotta change it up defensively. We gotta change it up. We saw a little bit of zone for the Raptors. You know, I'm sure we saw glimpses of boxing one and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's like, can we see the Raptors play better man-to-man defense? Is this is a team that's supposed to be built of really strong man-to-man defenders? When can we see that? And to be honest, maybe the Raptors just aren't right. Uh, to be honest, the way the Raptors guard the ball, a lot of the times they do concede, you know, line drives and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, when you see that happen, well, obviously, yes, you want to then bring a double team. And honestly, against guys like Kawhi and Paul, who are such good offensive players, maybe you don't want to ever let them get a rhythm. But at the same time, when you see other guys start to get off, then, you know, you probably will have to change it up. And that's where, you know, I, I think the things that Nick really did at the start of his career, obviously in, in, in the championship run, and then especially, I thought, in the season afterwards, it looked really innovative, and it was really innovative. He should have gotten tons of credit, as he should have, because of the fact that you know he was bringing all these defensive looks into the league that you know other teams weren't prepared for. Right? Obviously, him busting up the boxing one in the finals is like an all-time coaching moment. Like, there's no doubt about that, and it helped the Raptors win some of these games where they were catching teams by surprise. But the more times you cycle through the league. And they know, okay, we're going to see this kind of defense. We're going to see this kind of coverage. It's probably the number one point of emphasis for every single opposing star coming in. It's like, hey, you got to know this is what's going to happen to you. And look, sometimes the Raptors really scramble. And I'm not saying just the scheme is wrong. To be honest, the players got to execute with much more intensity than they did tonight. And that's something that you can't fully control if you're Nick, right? Ultimately, the players are in control of how hard they go and how much they're, they're rotating. But to me, it's like, if they're expecting that, and they're expecting a curveball. When do you ever go back to the fastball, right? And, and, and that's where the unpredictability needs to sort of come back in because the way the Clippers handled this game, Tyloo coached a great game, right? Like two minutes in, he calls that timeout, and he's like, guys, stop turning the ball over. We know this is the number one thing. If we take care of the ball, we win the game. We move the ball. And, and that's exactly what they did. And, yeah, ultimately, you know, you see the result of that. And, and look, listen, it, it, was, it, was a, it, it was not – a game where the Raptors couldn't compete. Like, they were close in the first half. Even though third quarter, okay, yeah, the Clippers start going on a run, but the Raptors could still score and all that kind of stuff. And to be fair, the Raptors did lose Fred due to injury, right? I didn't think Fred was able to capitalize on wide-open threes, but I thought he played well in his 23 minutes. Um, You know, he got seven assists. He was able to distribute here or there. Um, You know, he, he was decent. I wouldn't say he played well. Obviously, he's got a much higher level than this, but... The fact that he left the game with a back injury, I think, does 
you know, it is a loss for the team, right? Of course, it's a loss for the team. But at the same time, it's like this game still felt relatively winnable, especially because of the Clippers weren't playing at that full throttle. And despite that, the Raptors weren't competitive. And to me, that's where, again, I keep harping on this, but the defense just has to be better. The Clippers did not feel any sort of defensive pressure outside of double teams out the three-point line where they knew where the next person was. That's not pressure. It's almost like the Raptors were hustling backwards and allowing the Clippers to really play in their game. And who's to say the Raptors guard man-to-man again, like that, or they switch everything, they play man-to-man, they stay at home, that, you know, they don't just get roasted by Kawhi and Paul George who easily both go off for 30-plus, and yeah, Zubac might only have like eight points in that scenario because his man is glued to him, it doesn't rotate off of him, but to me, it's like I just wanted to see some changes throughout the course of the game because the Clippers used the same formula throughout the whole night, and it was easy for them. So, you know, aside from that, in terms of the atmosphere of the game, it was cool to see, obviously, Norm and Kawhi back in the building. Um, you know, I think Kawhi's already come back to Toronto. Obviously, that was the game where he received this ring. Uh, this is the first time he's actually played here since that moment. Um, so you would think it would be more sort of like, pomp and circumstance around it but there really wasn't you know like obviously he got a nice um applause during the starting lineups which obviously he deserves right Kawhi obviously was such a big part of this team I'm looking right now at the banner for the for the Raptors from 2019 you know like he's he's his name should be bigger than the rest on that on that banner I'm not even kidding but okay so so Kawhi's back but I, I thought it was actually a really really sweet moment for Norm Powell who I mean you just never really got the sense that he ever wanted to leave Toronto, never wanted to leave the Raptors. Um, his last game here, I remember um, it was a loss to Charlotte, of all teams. It was a very strange game, but, you know, the Raptors were having a really good season that year, uh, but then, the you know, the, the pandemic hit, and obviously they had to relocate and go to the bubble and then go to Tampa and stuff like that. So it, it was a weird, like, moment where Norm just couldn't say goodbye. In fact, I actually remember the, the moment where um, when Rudy Gobert, like that announcement came, uh, yeah, which kind of kicked off the pandemic, at least in North America. Um, and it was, I, I was actually at Norm's charity event. He was actually doing an event, um, charity bowling event, which I think he did every year for the Boys and Girls Club. So he was trying to raise money uh, and it was a nice team function and all that kind of stuff. But it obviously became kind of awkward because it was like, oh, should we have actually done that? Obviously in retrospect, it was fine. But still, um, that was like the last memory that he had here. And then he obviously was moved while the Raptors were in Tampa. And it, it was a really sad moment, you know, like you, 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 you can go back and watch the open gym footage. You know, he was kind of in tears like saying goodbye to everybody in, on the team. And, you know, him and Fred, there's a, there's, there's a scene in there where kind of both guys are kind of misty eyed and they're saying goodbye. They came up in the league together and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't a surprise to see Norm back in the building and, and shaking hands and talking to everybody, literally stopping and, and soaking the moment in, talking to all the reporters, talking to all the staffers, talking to former teammates, a long hug with Pascal after the game as well, and a tons of other guys, even having a chat with Scotty, who I don't even think he's really even met, maybe outside of some, like, you know, uh, Rico Hines runs, you know, I, to be honest, I don't know, who knows, NBA players probably meet each other all the time, but the point is that, like, Norm really soaked this in, and Norm played really well, I mean, Kawhi and Norm both played well, Kawhi in the sense that he just didn't force it, kicked it out, had eight assists only against one turnover, and again, this is what I'm talking about in terms of the, the surprise factor, the first time the Raptors played the Clippers after Kawhi left, this was in LA, the Raptors trapped Kawhi so much, and they played such great pressure defense on him, that Kawhi had, like, seven or eight turnovers 
in that game, and he also couldn't score the ball. And I just didn't think he was prepared for the way the Raptors were going to trap him and pressure him. And you got to give a lot of credit to Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who actually had the, 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 the primary assignment against Kawhi that night. Gave a lot of great effort. Obviously, it starts with who's the primary assignment. And then you fast forward two, three years, and Kawhi's back in the building. Kawhi's just like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to send all these guys at me, so I'm going to make all the extra passes. Right, and he has, he has eight assists against one turnover. Right, that's that's exactly kind of what I'm talking about. So Kawhi kind of just made the right plays as you kind of expect him to. Meanwhile, with Norm, he really, really was able to showcase exactly the kind of player that the Raptors had. Right, a guy who could come off the bench or start, but regardless, he's going to be aggressive. He's going to attack the rim. He's going to be able to get downhill. He's a pretty good three-point shooter, but tonight I feel like he, he really saw an opportunity to attack. And to be honest, why not, right? Because in addition to the Raptors trapping and, 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 you know, maybe he's able to attack against closeouts all the time, not only that, but the Raptors don't have shot blocking, right? The Raptors had who was playing center for them that was really going to come over and block your shot. Scotty came over and blocked a, a shot, which was nice to see, you know, um, but... Aside from that, who at center was, was really a concern for you? Like when it was Dad Young in the first half, guys were just walking to the basket for layups. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like there, it was just, there was no contest even from Thad. You know, when it was Christian Coloco out there, yeah, he might try to contest your shot, but it's fairly easy to, to finish over the rookie right now. And so um, there wasn't that kind of rim presence. And so Norm made the right read, went downhill, and, you know, he's one of the few guys on the Clippers who would have the ball, and the Raptors didn't trap or double team. And he was able to get at Gary and score. And listen, it wasn't anything against Gary. I thought Gary actually held his own, right? The, the, the fact that both these guys had very, very similar stat lines. You know, Gary had 20 points, one rebound, one assist, versus Norm, who had 22 points on one rebound, three assists. Obviously, these guys aren't, you know, going to do much for you outside of the scoring, but... Both guys kind of matched each other. I would say Norm's slight advantage on that front because of the fact that the area and, and, and the time which he scored was more sort of consecutive and it felt like it had a bigger impact and helped the, the Clippers pull away at the end of the third quarter there. But to be honest, they kind of matched each other. Where it was a concern for me, again, was just like for the Raptors, they just couldn't really um, defend. And even their offense in the first half, even though they scored decently, 56 points at halftime is completely fine. It just felt to me like, Pascal was really relishing his chances to attack Kawhi, almost like a let me show you what I've what what I've become since you've left, or like OG really relishing his chances to attack Paul George or Kawhi. And yes, I want those guys to be aggressive, especially on a night where Fred's not really scoring or even looking to score. But um, I don't I don't know. Those weren't great matchups, right? Like OG getting the ball poked away repeatedly. You know, Pascal missing a lot of you know jumpers and. And, and, and perimeter looks, which obviously he can knock down, right? We, we just saw the past week where he won, you know, player of, of the week for the Eastern Conference. Um, he can knock down jumpers, but the, the best part of his game is getting to the basket. And we saw in the fourth quarter the way Pascal was able to break free and go to the rim over and over and over again. Um, first half, I just didn't think the Raptors, even though defensively they just weren't competing, offensively they didn't really convert on enough of their chances to even sort of build a lead. I don't know if that would have been enough because when the Raptors don't play defense, they just straight up don't win. But uh, still, they, they could have probably kept them more competitive than they ultimately did. And, and you know, that's where you just want to see some consistency. You know this team can defend really well. You know that this team has that ability to sort of lock in. Um, we've seen it, well, first off, we've seen it multiple times this season against Cleveland. Um, that might just be a particularly good matchup for Toronto, but Ultimately, we know the Raptors can be really good defensively, 
But, uh, like, for example, against the Sixers. They, they played the Sixers super tough. And to be honest, they should have won that game against the Sixers. And they were unfortunate to, to not come away with the win uh, in overtime as well when they had so many wide-open threes. But um, still, defensively, you know the Raptors have that kind of gear where they can hold a team close to 100 points. And if they do that, they give themselves a chance because of the fact that Pat Scout could score, because of the fact that Scotty was able to really get free as well. And I think him playing center has really allowed him more opportunities to catch the ball in the paint, maybe attacking more one-on-one, maybe not having to break down his man in the perimeter, kind of just having to sort of get to his spots and then go up for his hook shots or, you know, be around the rim for putbacks and, and, and get offensive rebounds and even things like ripping down the rebound and pushing the break. And I thought he did a really good job of that. He had the team high with eight assists tonight. But, uh, Again, none of these things matter if you don't play defense. So I'm sorry if I sound repetitive. I know I am being repetitive, but that's the number one thing. You need to see consistency on the defensive end. That'll give the Raptors a chance to win. But when they don't guard like they did tonight, it doesn't work. And you know what? If your regular schemes aren't working, you do want to see innovation, right? Like the Raptors are just they are so good at throwing these creative defenses out there, but they're not so creative if the other team knows exactly what's coming to you. And the fact that you played four turnovers the whole game and you only got nine out of the Clippers, that's concerning. So, um, yeah, in in order to wrap up, I I think uh, for your three stars from tonight's game, I'll I'll give Pascal the first star. Obviously, first half, it wasn't playing like that. Um, You know, and and maybe you would say that he left some chances on the table and the Raptors could have went into half with a lead. But ultimately, Pascal did everything he could. 36 points, nine rebounds, five assists, a steal, a block you know, 13 to 24 from the field, couldn't get the three to drop, but was really able to focus on getting to the basket in the second half and did a great job of it. Genuinely looked pretty unstoppable, to be honest, and and had, you know, 15 free throw attempts. Now, obviously, you want to see him knock down 13 out of 15 or even a perfect 15 out of 15 rather than 10 of 15, but still, you know, played really well and kind of a continuation of sort of where he's sort of been of late, where he's just making this firm all-star push. Obviously, he should make all-star. We'll see if he starts. Right, that's really just dependent on how much the Raptors fans want to put in towards obviously the voting, uh, and, and and we'll see sort of where um, his players rank him and all that kind of stuff. You know, obviously it's kind of weighted now with the with the All Star starters, but um, you know he's he's played well enough to start, and ultimately if the team record is not strong enough, he will definitely make it as a reserve. So not worried about that, but you know still uh, it was good to see Pascal sort of adjust his game and when it wasn't working with the jumpers in the first half he just really focused on getting to the rim and scored at will in a game with a lot of star players I thought Pascal looked no less bright than Kawhi or Paul George which is very impressive right very impressive you know the Raptors didn't get the win that wasn't Pascal's fault uh, your second star I'm gonna give that to Scotty 17 points 13 rebounds eight assists um, yeah I, I just liked his effort a lot um, first half was really noticeable how much he was the only guy affecting shots around the basket occasionally and he was ripping down rebounds to the point where even like his teammates would grab it and he would just like fight with his teammates and rip the ball out of their hands and then just push the break like it wasn't like some sort of stat hunting kind of thing it was like to me a sign of his aggressiveness sign of his energy I thought he really took up the challenge and when he had a chance to body up against Kawhi or body up against Paul George with no help coming he did a really good job containing their drives and forcing them to sort of kick it out or even contesting their, their and forcing them into tough shots I, I love seeing that effort from Scotty maybe that kind of waned as the game went on the, to be honest he was kind of like the only guy playing that hard defensively out there and you know I you just don't necessarily expect him to sort of sustain that single-handedly. But nevertheless, I, I really liked his effort. 17, 13, and 8 uh, is a really good stat line for him. And, and 
I've, you know, I asked Nick about this actually at practice uh, on Boxing Day. And, you know, I asked him essentially, like, first off, how did you arrive at Scotty at playing center? And Nick explained that it wasn't like a specific thing. It was kind of just like they liked the matchup one night and then he kind of liked how it looked in the film and he just kind of kept going to it. And then I asked him, you know, is this something where you want to put him at center because it makes him more involved offensively? And he's like, yeah, there are some advantages to be gained there. And to me, it's like the advantages are he's able to lead the break and, and, and really force, you know, the Raptors to sort of jumpstart their offense because their, their transition offense is absolutely their best form of offense. It's not even close. Um, and the fact that there are moments where Scotty's catching the ball on the go against the center. And it's, you know, when his handle isn't great enough right now to consistently shake wing defenders and guards on the perimeter, and he's not necessarily that adept at using screens to create that separation either, one way for him to sort of get better matchups is to just cut out the, the, the tougher things and just get him the ball, you know, in the post. And he's able to either catch it on the on the roll, which he's obviously able to make a play from there, whether that's for himself or to kick it out, or you're giving him the ball and letting him face up against the center who usually doesn't have the foot speed. I thought Zubac tonight, a lot of times where he was switched on, to, or not even switched on, matched up with Scotty, Scotty was able to just turn around, face up, and score on him. Um, he was even able, able to back him down a couple times, which is surprising in, in, the, in, in the sense that visually you just see a guy who's smaller, trying to back down a seven-footer, but Scotty's extremely strong. He's able to hold his position, go up for a solid shot, draw the foul, and ones and stuff like that. So I thought Scotty did really well in his matchup. And um, the only you know thing for me was I, I just wish that Scotty played even more than he did in this night's game. He, you know, he was really good. Uh, and then your third star, honestly, it's hard to pick. I mean, to be honest, OG's def- defensively, he wasn't really able to showcase what he really had. 43 minutes, 18 points, you know, it was efficient from the field. There's no complaints there. But to me, honestly, I, I, I kind of like the game Malachi played more. I, I'm going to give Malachi the third star, even though his stat line is only 10 points, four or six shooting, two or three from three, didn't have an assist, even though he was the point guard. But I thought he's been playing tough of late. He's been, he's, he's been confident with his offense. He's been looking to score. Um, and to me, it's just like, I think Malachi – that's the one part where it was it looked sustained from the two wins and, and just the recent games of late where Malachi's played more. He's going to continue to parlay that momentum, and, and he's taking his opportunity, and I'm consistently satisfied with what I'm sort of seeing from him. Um, the aggression offensively. Defensively, he wasn't really allowed to be that aggressive because of the fact that anytime he was switched on to Kawhi or Paul George or whoever, Raptors were immediately come over with a, with a, with a double team, hard double team, and so... It wasn't even like Malachi was getting abused defensively. It's just that the Raptors trusted him so little that, they, you know, they kept bringing help. Um, but still, I, I like the way Malachi's been playing in late, so I'm going to give him the third star, even though I think OG probably played better than him. But still, um, I just, I've just been enjoying Malachi's performance. It's your Gerald Henderson Award winner. Uh, it's got to be Zubak, obviously. Uh, thir- 23 points, 16 rebounds, 10 offensive. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. 12 free throw attempts for him as well. It was just so easy for him down low, and why not? I mean, when the Raptors are throwing what they have at center at him, I mean, you know, I'm going to take Scotty out of this equation because he's actually fighting an uphill battle and actually doing a good job of it. But whether it's Chris Boucher, whether it's Ken Birch, who came in because Christian Coloco after Christian got a breakaway dunk, which was awesome, and then he got injured, and so that's not awesome. But, like, you know, Coloco, Birch, Thad Young, like, these are guys, Zubac, just – when he looks forward, he doesn't even see them in his eye line. Like, that's how much smaller than they are. 
um, than, than him. It just really illustrates once again that the Raptors need actual help at center, like an actual starting caliber center. It's been three seasons. Like, I think that's long enough. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough result. Hopefully the Raptors kind of pick up their defensive intensity going forward. I think some of the future matchups here are, are not going to be as bad, but you never know, right? The Raptors have kind of let themselves down quite a bit this season, and I would count tonight as another one of those games. So um, that does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, as a programming note, we're going to be back on the air. The Raptor Show will be back on the air between 2 and 3 p.m. You can uh, continue to, to listen to it on Sports 590 The Fan. Uh, you can catch the podcast. I don't believe the YouTube and TV portion will be out this week. So um, if you're, that's how you usually consume the show, either on YouTube or on Sports 360, you can catch the show next week. But, uh, yeah, you know, you'll still be able to find the podcast tomorrow. So uh, look forward to another, you know, show with Blake Murphy, who's going to come in and break down the Raptors' recent performances of late. Going to try to get down to practice and get a couple more player-exclusive interviews. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the meantime, that does it for this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Continue to rate, review, subscribe, and, uh, yeah, continue to have a safe and happy holidays.